and welcome to our Truly Scrumptious podcast, where we talk food festivals, festival food, foodie friends and friends of the festival. In each episode, we will chat to some of our many friends, our celebrity chefs and bakers, food producers, festival team and other people involved in the festival world. We'll even hear some backstage gossip. It's a huge world. It's a hard-working one and great fun too, although a tad stressful at times. My name is Lottie Duncan, and I'm a food presenter, writer, and eater. We want to bring our food festivals to your door, your ears, your living room, and most definitely your kitchen. So draw up your chair, pour yourself something scrumptious, take the weight off your slingbacks and join us within the world of food, festivals and foodie types. Hello and welcome to another squishy whopper of a lightly toasted episode. This week I'm chatting with my old matey Tristan Welsh, not only an incredible chef, thoroughly nice chap, but also my culinary boyfriend. Yes, it's a thing. We go back a few years when we competed together in New York on Food Network's bonkers TV show, Chopped. It was a crazy few days and the best experience. You'll find out more about that in a moment. But first, two more lovely men that I had the joy to chat to recently. Ben and Will from True Story Brewing. They have gone from video production to beer production and they are joining us at Bradford-on-Avon Food and Drink Festival this year. Right, I have two gentlemen on the screen today in front of me on over Zoom. Um, I'm very lucky. Two very handsome devils, I hasten to add. Young men, lovely. What a treat. <laughs> and I'm talking to um, Ben and Will from True Story Brewing, which is actually just down the road from us. You're in Westbury, aren't you, in Wiltshire? You're based there. Yes, that's right. Yeah, over in Westbury. And you are a nano-batch brewery with some fantastic names of all of the um, beers that you brew. And I'm just going to take you through them now, because I thought they were brilliant. Satsuma in the shower. Did you have a Satsuma shower gel that you came up with that? Because there's one from Body Shop, and I just wondered if there'd been a link at some point there. We, we actually put that one out to Instagram to come up with a name for the beer, and someone replied telling us about this trend of you should consume um, citrus in the shower to improve your mental health. So we oh. thought it would be the perfect shower beer. Yeah, <laughs> like that. that's brilliant. I think, I think so, anyone who's come up with that trend probably needs to improve their mental health <laughs> in some way. So, yeah, I agree probably, with you, totally, Bill. <laughs> Will, Bill, sorry, you're Will, you're not Bill. Um, Tropic Thunder, we've got Hazy Tail, Summer Crush, City Boys. And uh, then if you have a 12-pack, you have a Juicy Tart. Exactly that. <laughs> yes, it is wonderful. So tell me about how you started because it was last year, it was July in 2022. And as I, I, you know, as I said to you earlier before we came on air, that you guys are two years too late because most businesses were set up, little, little breweries and distilleries, they're all set up in, in lockdown. So what made you go from what you do as well, which is video production, into beer? Well, do you, want to, do you want to start off with that one, I guess? Because you've been homebrewing for quite a long time, kind of in the lead up to lockdown. Uh, and I've been kind of doing some brewing kind of maybe six, seven years prior to that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny you should say about the timings, because I think although we officially launched um, last year, it, it really it really was born out of the lockdown anyway, uh, because we obviously got closed as a business 
during that first uh, lockdown period, which I guess was like March 2020-ish, somewhere around that. Um, and we had to cancel all our, all our work for a few months. Uh, so we were kind of bored and um, didn't, you know, didn't know what to do with our time particularly. Uh, and it kind of came out of that because we both really enjoy beer and, uh, and have like a bit of a, a brewing background, probably not enough to have actually uh, done this. But, it, you know, it's a year later, it kind of all came together and we managed to open for um, the summer of 2021. Um, and yeah, now we're just in the process of upgrading our, our kit and stuff so that we can kind of be, uh, hopefully find a bit of a wider audience because uh, at the minute we're a very, very small batch. Uh, and so yeah, hopefully we'll uh, be coming back in around April time with some bigger batch beers. Uh, not not like big batch beers, still small batch beers, but like bigger than before. There are benefits though to having a nano batch, aren't there? I mean, you can really then have a bit of fun, can't you, and try and experiment. Yeah, that was our thinking, uh, kind of starting that way, is, um, you know, obviously we've spent a couple of years now developing those recipes and stuff, and, and I think, like, it's much easier to throw away a batch of beer if it's, uh, you know, under 100 litres than it is if it's thousands of litres. So I think, like, a lot of the, the kind of bigger breweries that maybe don't get to play around as much as we do with the recipes but you know there are obviously there's ways of kind of getting those pilot kits and stuff into bigger breweries and they can work on stuff but we you know we can brew four or five different beers in a single day and and that kind of gives us a a lot of scope to play around with stuff and i think like we've probably thrown away more beer than we've uh than we've canned because we weren't happy with it so i think you know it's got to the point now where we're really happy with the recipes and and we're still looking to kind of improve them, but, you know, it's, it's an ongoing process at that point. Um, what's, where do you get your hops from and your, and your grains and all your fruit? I mean, I doubt you get any fruit at the moment because there's nothing on the shelves apparently, but, um, <laughs> but you know, where, where do you draw your hops and your lovely toasty grains from? So uh, the grains come from uh, Warminster Maltings, uh, which is obviously just around the corner, and they are like the only... Well, I don't know if they're the only, but like they're like maybe the last traditional kind of floor uh, malting in in the UK. So I think like it's it's kind of like a unique uh, story that they've got as well, which is kind of nice. And and I literally live two minutes around the corner from them, so I can even pick up stuff on my way into work and stuff. So it's kind of nice. Um, and and the hops, uh, like a lot of the hops we use, are obviously kind of New World hops. So um, they come from you know. For, for, other afield, but but you know we we kind of do our best to, to source stuff uh, responsibly. I guess is is you know part of what we like to do with sustainability and stuff. Do you have a favourite flavour? Because I've sort of reeled off all the different ones to you. Yeah, so I, I would say going to, onto the kind of the favourite beers for me, I quite like those like hazy sessionable beers. Um, so although I've kind of been getting into the hazy table beers and things uh, most recently so between the kind of the, the three to four and a half percent kind of uh, hazy quite fruity almost um, pushing towards like the New England IPA style um, so they are a little bit fruity a little bit more juicy but they're also quite sessionable as well so they're not kind of too thick and heavy going so you can have you know two or three cans and because it's kind of a low ABV you know the alcohol content isn't impacting you too much which I think is quite nice so you can actually just enjoy the beers 
Yeah, that's quite good because actually there are beers can be, you know, there are some strong ones out there, aren't there? That you can't then drink lots of different types or perhaps really enjoy, as you say, over a, over a series period of time. You know, you don't have to have loads and loads of beers. You can just enjoy all of yours. Absolutely, and we do uh, we do do some kind of stronger ones up to kind of seven or eight percent. We even did a nine and a half percent one recently, which are great to kind of be enjoyed in smaller doses or kind of sharing. But to get that kind of stronger flavour, just using you know water, malt, hops, and yeast into these lower ABV beers is actually really difficult, and it's something Will's spent a lot of time doing. So. When we do have a beer that's kind of around 3% and it's still kind of packed full of flavour, for me, that's like the, the perfect beer to be drinking at the moment. And you've just had a whole load of kit, haven't you? You were saying to me, um, Ben, last week that you've had a whole load of kit delivered. So what's that? Is that for the expansion? That's to make more beer? Exactly. Build your empire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, try and brew a reasonable sized batch of beer, I think, (laughs) to be completely honest. So at the moment, we've essentially been using kind of advanced um, homebrew kit and lots and lots of it. So we have loads of these kind of small 60 litre vessels, which is great, as Will says, because you can kind of do five or six beers in a day and you can kind of split them all off to decide what yeast or what kind of temperature you're going to do hop additions and things at. Um, so the kit we've, we're just getting installed at the moment is um, going to allow us to do kind of a thousand meter batches. So, you know, more than 10 times, almost 20 times the capacity uh, we've been doing. So we purchased some uh, secondhand equipment from the UK and then we've also got some kit arriving from Asia. Uh, last week it was all uh, coming off the back of a flatbed lorry and it wasn't on pallets. It had come from some farm. And it looked like at one point it was all going to kind of topple over <laughs> off, the, off the side of the lorry because uh, it was kind of being dangled by a forklift. Uh, so a little bit stressful, but we managed to get it all in. So it's in there now. And we're hoping to kind of get brewing on it within the next uh, week or so, hopefully. Brilliant. And do you have events um, from where you brew so people can come along and, and sort of enjoy your beer, stand around, have a chat, maybe a bit of food? We do, yeah. We did some um, kind of taproom openings uh, last summer, which were actually really, really good. Our launch party, loads of people came along to. Uh, and we did continue opening most weekends, although because we're quite remote in Westbury on uh, kind of on the edge of this kind of industrial estate, what we're thinking this year is we might kind of do four or five different uh, kind of parties throughout the summer where we open the tap room uh, and we have some kind of live music or DJs and we have a food van as well. So mm. people kind of responded really well when we had the music and the food and things there because it's a bit more of a kind of destination. So yeah, our plan definitely um, this summer is to do some, some more of those events hopefully. Oh, brilliant. And of course you're doing, did you see the segue here? Of course you're doing our event this summer as well in June which we're really thrilled about um so you're going to have a stall and you're going to be flogging um I say flogging selling <laughs> selling enormously we'll, we'll be flogging you'll be flogging <laughs> flogging the beer but you'll also hopefully fingers crossed be um uh, it'll be on tap in our festival bar as well so if, um I know you've been talking to Kate who runs our bar there so that'll be exciting people can enjoy enjoy a pint of but then they can come and buy from you too but obviously you can sample as well from your store so people can give it a go and we have live music we've got tons of street food um lots of people come lots of families come in we've got loads going on got um 
uh, a tent in the middle which is called the um, masterclass interview tent so maybe I can persuade you guys to come and do a little masterclass on beer making one day which I think would be yes, quite fun yeah, yeah. That, would be, that would be great yeah, yeah we, so could do, we could do some tastings with people yeah that you would can, be brilliant uh, you can make it super technical though <laughs> you can't come if I do that <laughs> all people really want to do is drink they want to drink the beer <laughs> No, so that would be great if we could get you guys to do that. And um, we've got a load of Bake Off stars coming this year as well, having interviews. So it's a it's a bit of a Bake Off fest actually. We've got Giuseppe, who's only from well, he's kind of between Bristol and Bath. He lives there. We've got the one who won, the lady who won last year, Siberia, and loads of people, loads of them. So it's it's a really fun weekend of of food and drink. So I'm looking forward to you guys coming and joining us. Yeah, we're, we're really excited. Yeah, yeah we're, we're keen to kind of, um, you know, well, with Cater Festivals and have some of our beer on tap there. And then maybe we can bring along some some of the more quirky beers in can yeah. as well for people yeah. to try, uh, which yeah. I think would be really interesting. And talking about your cans, actually, I think your design is brilliant. Who does the design for your cans? Friends of ours from uh, university, actually. Um, so they have a graphic design agency called Juice Studio uh, up in up in London. And yeah, so they do a lot of our kind of branding and design things. Yeah, yeah we, they do an amazing job. We, we are kind of in love with all the branding and stuff. Yeah, no, I thought they were great, really. I think bright, fun and uh, eye-catching. No, I think they're brilliant. So I've got a final question for you guys, which I ask everybody, okay? Don't look so worried. It's all right. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous. So this is, and I, I, I say it in a rather seductive manner just because I can. Um, I need to know from both of you, individually, obviously, um, or you can share. It might be something you'd like to do together. What is your Fifty Shades of Food? Okay, so this is something a little sticky, maybe a little naughty. Um, you want to shut the door, lock it, pull the curtains, turn the lights down, put on the soft music, maybe a bit of Netflix. It's just something you like to do on your own that involves food. So we'll go with you first. Will, what is your Fifty Shades of Food? I, I don't think I've got anything that, that uh, uh, weird, but like, I, do, um, I do love like a, a dirty fries or kind of nachos style chili. Um, and chili is like one of my favourite things to make as well. So I quite often just make these huge uh, pots of chili, which I'll eat over, over the course of a week or so. <laughs> but just just really loading up uh, kind of fries, nachos, get the guacamole on there and, and top mm. it with cheese and that. And I can eat that all day long. So yeah. that's probably my... Uh, that sounds great, actually. Yeah, I, could, I think I think I could like like the side of that one I do I mean I love cheese I love nachos as well everything just yeah mouth-watering jalapenos and and you get a bit messy don't you get it down your front as well and you don't care because no one can see you I wouldn't care if they could see me <laughs> even better <laughs> and what about you Ben um a tricky one I think I love peanut butter on like everything and anything um and I think that's led to me eating peanut butter with kind of more foods and to be fair i have seen some other places like actual restaurants doing this now but i i love like a really nice homemade uh beef burger and i would put some sort of peanut butter sauce in that um probably like a mixture of like peanut butter and mayonnaise or something like that that would be my kind of mm. guilty burger that i would have for sure that sounds very interesting I don't know what, yes, peanut butter and, but I suppose you have satay, don't you? 
You have satay sauce. It's exactly, it's, it's yeah. similar to that. And there are some kind of burger places in Bristol now that do peanut butter sauce. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a regular. <laughs> That's wonderful. And again, very messy. But you see, because it's your Fifty Shades, you'd have to take it home and shut the curtains and eat on your own. You see, that's I think. So maybe you should need to make your own. You need to develop your own recipe. And uh, and then maybe open a street van as well. We could have you there back doing, you know, burgers and peanuts, uh, peanut butter. Hey, that's what you could one, do. One business at a time. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get the kit installed first. <laughs> exactly. That's wonderful. Well, listen, I really look forward to seeing you guys in June. Good luck with everything and all your, your extended batch sizes that you're, you're coming up with soon. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying a few beers and... And certainly seeing you up on the Masterclass uh, stage doing your thing. We sh- I shall get in touch with you separately about that and we'll get that booked in. But thank you very much in the meantime. See you soon. Fab beer, fab boys. So, Tristan Welsh, a seriously brilliant chef with many amazing restaurants under his belt. And a whiz on social media too. The man behind Rubbish Cooks, where he shows you some terrific money-saving, planet-saving, sanity-saving tips. Plus ways to cook with reduced energy costs, which we all need right now. So, without further ado, drum roll please, Mr. Chefy Man, Tristan Welsh. Tristan Welsh, you're my favourite woo. <laughs> You're mine, Lottie. Oh, darling. You're mine, my culinary girlfriend. I know. Nice to be with you. And the good job is that our partners don't mind. They just just deal with it, don't they? Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I thought we'd be interviewing in a kitchen, but here we are, tucked up in bed. <laughs> so. Just don't tell them. Oh, dear. On a Wednesday morning. <laughs> Good job. Oh, Tristan. Uh, so I'm going to introduce you now. Tristan Welsh, who um, amazing chef. Um, and we first met at an airport, didn't we? Across a crowded airport. Heathrow, yeah. December something or rather a few years ago, um, about to yeah. fly out to the Big Apple, where we were going to compete on a show called Chopped on Food Network. That's right. Yeah, which is Ready Steady Cook on Crack, isn't it? It certainly is. It's a great show. I love chops. It is. It's ready. It's ready, steady, cook like gone mad. It's, it is high octane. Yeah. 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 So we met the airport, didn't we? Was that the first first time? Yeah. Gosh. It was. I remember, and I know I was panicking because I'd never travelled with knives before, so I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Being a chef, you travel with knives, so don't true. you? Yes. You know, and and um, I was like, God, I need to tell somebody. I've got a knife. Yes. <laughs> I know I had an entire load of them in my in my luggage as well, but it was it was the luggage we were putting on board. It wasn't hand luggage, was it? Luckily, otherwise we probably would have been arrested. Um, That's what they told me. That's what they told me <laughs> after they tasered me. And I mean, I thought I was going to. I just didn't know what to do. It was so innocent. It was oh, a bit. It's a bit scary. And we met, and there. So I was told, okay, I'm competing against four, three boys, and I thought, oh great, you know. All right, me and three blokes. That's going to be fun. But it, it was Andy Bates, it was you, and it was Jim Tanaka. And we all you're met gonna up. You're going to bring this up now, aren't you? Say again? You're going to bring it up, aren't you? <laughs> going to bring it you're up. You're going to bring it up. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to bring it up. <laughs> but you lost, so importantly, that one, Chris. Yeah? yeah? The one that you lost. The, how you lost, 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 you lost. Anyway. I did. Completely, completely lost. There we go. Well, you... It's... People, did, people didn't get my buffalo hot dog ravioli with Werther's original gastric sauce with edam- edamame and carrot skin slaw, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't they get that? 
Why would they? We had. had. <laughs> it was you a terrible. Those bonkers ingredients, don't you? Yeah. You've got to throw them together. Yeah. Oh, gosh, Lottie. We had a laugh, though, didn't we? We did have we a laugh. laugh. It was bananas because we got to New York. We, we all went out for dinner the first night. I remember we went to the Standard in um, Soho, the meat district, a meatpacking district, so a beautiful place. And do you remember the floor in there? The whole floor was covered with one-cent pieces stuck to the floor. Yeah. It was yeah. bananas you know, place. It's probably cheaper to do that these days. Yeah, than it would, isn't it? <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah, and we were all ra- we all sort of arrived at 6 o'clock in the morning at the production company and we were put in separate holding rooms. We weren't allowed to talk to anyone. And, and then suddenly it started. Three courses, each chef gets chopped through there. And it was, it was a great show. And obviously I got to the final um, with Jen... He beat me though, frankly. I wasn't happy, and and I did think yeah, right well, at the end he wasn't going to win because he couldn't get his financiers out of the oven. Um, he couldn't, could he? No. That was a, do you know that was a great bit of telly? Mm. That last sort of twenty seconds <clears throat> of the final chart where where Jun thought he'd lost, uh, and uh, and you and you were. Had I thought I'd won. Win, like, oh my god! This is it. This yeah. is my moment. Yeah. I've nailed this. Yeah. And then what happens? Bastard. He slips the end to twenty quid. <laughs> gets it out of the oven and I just think you get anyway but anyway it doesn't matter I mean I'm not bitching twisted we had a ball until I bring it up every time I see you and then um, obviously we did some work on Food Network we've had a, a lot of laughs over the years and um, and then you came to Tame Food Vessel which was just wonderful um, a couple of years ago and I have to say it's one of my favourite times on stage ever was you and Jun and myself up on there and in fact our home economists said a it was the messiest stage they've ever had to clear up after a demonstration but also the best fun um and it really was a laugh because we did a big cook-off didn't we i gave you horrible baskets with lots yeah. of nasty ingredients it's, it's, it's brilliant do you know do you know a lot of you bring out the naughtiness in me you really <laughs> do but, uh, not that that's a hard thing to do probably but um cooking with friends is such a pleasurable experience for me yeah. It's so much fun, and, and and cooking should be fun. Cooking is fun, you know, and and, and I, I think that was it was really important that we demonstrated that as well. Oh, you know? definitely. Um, um, passion, fun, and um, is what food's all about, really. Yeah, it is completely, and I think being with your mates, as you say, on the stage, and just because you're so good, Tristan, at. And entertaining, you are you're brilliant at broadcasting, entertaining, being with people. You're fun to watch. You're informative. You're clever. You know what you're talking about. And oh, stop it! You said stop, stop it. it. Come on, come on. <laughs> but it's come true. On. It's... I'm, I'm passionate about it. It's it's. I think if we can if we can entertain, we can inspire, and if we can inspire, we can just change people's lives a little bit for the better, and and that's what it's all about for me, really. Just. Um, inspiring creating and um and, and having fun while doing it yeah and you've done so much over the years i mean obviously there was um you, when you worked in london what was the name of the place in london you were at oh, wow so i started off i started off my first jobs for gary rhodes <gasps> that's right that's right my i remember first that. jobs for gary rhodes and then i heard gary rhodes say back in the days he said all the best chefs have worked for the rue family so he gave me a day off for my birthday a year and a half later, mind you, uh, um, I went and knock, knocked on that day off. I went and knocked on the door at the Gavroche and said, I work here for a day, please. And then they offered me a job. 
So then I ended up working for the Rue family, and then the Rue family sent me to France, and, and uh, I worked in a three-star Michelin restaurant there as well, came back, first head chef job, won the Gordon Ramsay Scholarship, Gordon sent me to New York and Napa Valley, that's the French Laundry and WD-40 <gasps> as well. Did you work at French uh, Laundry? Three months, three months, <gasps> started, I started three months. God, I really want to go there. It was, it's mind-blowing, it's, it's exceptional, uh, just, uh, just uh, absolutely exceptional. Um, yeah, and I, I, I would start at five o'clock in the morning and I would finish uh, when I dropped, which was about 11 o'clock at night. Um, sometimes I'd stay to one, two o'clock like the rest of the guys, but then I'd only get me two, three hours sleep and that would kill me in the end. Um, so um, I would uh, balance that quite as much as I could, but I just thought I'm here for three months, I'm going to take as much as I can. And on my last night, Thomas Keller said to me, Tristan, are you here tonight? I was like, yes, chef, of course, chef. Dip, dip, dop, 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 absolutely. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll be here with bells on. Um, and uh, he said, come and see me on the pass in, uh, at the beginning of service. So there we are, cleaned down, made sure things right. I went to see him on the pass. I said, yes, chef. And he said, we're cooking dinner for you tonight. Take a seat in my office. And his office, Lottie, is glass, and it overlooks the whole kitchen. Uh, um, and uh, they'd laid a little place setting in the office and it overlooks the, it overlooks the whole kitchen um, and it's signed by people like Paul Bacuse and, and, and things like that in the office. It's just, just amazing. Anyway, I sat there for the whole evening and he cooked away. I must have had 20, 30 courses. I've got it all written down somewhere, but, uh, but I had to write it down because towards the end, I was absolutely smashed. <laughs> I've been working all day since five o'clock, you know, with the prep team and cracking on. And there's a glass of wine with every single course, even if it was just a sip. It went straight to my head. Lottie, I said, <laughs> it was the most amazing experience, but I could hardly stand up at the end of it. And, uh, um, but I was, I was so full of admiration and respect for such a wonderful uh, team that created this amazing meal. Um, I, I said, no, 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 you guys stop. I will clean the kitchen down for all of you. I was, I was smashed. I could hardly stand up. <laughs> and, and, and there I was, I was trying to help everyone clean down, scrub down. And you had to scrub this kitchen till you could see your face in it. Even the stainless steel had to be a mirror by the end of it. And so I was, I could hardly, I, honestly, I was so wobbly. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. They, I, I think they still remember me to this day, probably. This silly Englishman that got smashed and told everyone to leave, take the rest of the night off, and he'll clean the kitchen. He'll clean the kitchen. Did you manage to do it well, or was it a bit of a... You miss a few patches. Well, they didn't leave me on my own. <laughs> probably a good thing. So you, you were sent over there by, by Gordon Ramsay. I'd forgotten that you'd worked for him. Um, I mean, yeah, how, was, it, how was that? Well, it was a part of the Gordon Ramsay Scholarship, so um, it was um, an incredible opportunity. Uh, Gordon's always been really supportive throughout my career. And um, and then, of course, there's no such thing as a free trip. When I came back, he asked me if I'd be head chef at Catrice um, for Marcus Waring. And I was Marcus Waring's head chef for many years. We took it from one star to two stars. It was a very exciting time in my life. I met my wife on the chef's table there as well um and uh and uh anyway I, for, so we had this two-star restaurant we run it it was amazing very exciting experience uh then gordon and marcus split up they had a bit of a, a whatever and uh, i thought what a great opportunity just to jump ship and start my own thing so then um i got in partnership with dnd uh, london at the time and opened up uh, launston place in partnership 
in Kensington, and that was an incredible restaurant. And that's when I met you. That's where you where you were working when we went to Chopped, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Gosh, what a time was that was. It's my like running a business. My first time really running a business, running a kitchen. And then having a home as well now then because you know by then I had my wife I married my my um, wife um, and then we had twin boys and um, and running this business my my TV career was starting to kick off I was spinning so many plates yeah. gosh gosh it was such a whirlwind and then such you then and you got the offer never mind my wife I met the love of my life you did indeed. <laughs> Terminal three, because I don't think Terminal five was open back then. No, it was actually. It was Terminal five, you Billy. It was. No, it wasn't. Terminal five was not open, Lothie. Was it not? Gosh, was it yeah, that long I'm ago? Us. I know. We go back years. We do, don't we? Back to the when it was the world was black and white, Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Still the sun comes, and um, and then you you got the offer to which I can't believe you took upon. It was such a bad offer. I mean, to go to blooming um the caribbean and have to live there for a few years and work there i mean god what were you thinking awful awful Bonkers. place to go where was it you went Bonkers. that horrible so, place um, i lived and worked in mystique oh <laughs> god i mean i just say no thank you no don't want the blue skies don't want the sunshine don't want the sea all oh, that I fish oh Disgusting, awful, <laughs> terrible. It was glorious. It was luxury. It was. It was. It was wonderful. Um, hard work, hardest job I ever had, for sure. But um, very rewarding job as well. Very rewarding job because the the laws on the islands are, are very strict. You can't hire too many um, expats. So it was just my myself uh, um, and a sous chef and then a team of um, locals from St Vincent and the Grenadines and there's no hospitality school there's no culinary school there's a completely different culture on on the island on St Vincent compared to what there is on, on Mystique in culinary terms so you were training people that had never held a knife before that didn't know what colour chopping board to chop on that wouldn't that that thought the only carrots that you've ever seen have come in tins. You know, this is, it, 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 was, it was incredible. So I had, I had labourers, plumbers, wannabe rappers, farmers, coconut uh, um, pickers, There's every, all sorts of walks of life. And we had to train them up to be a team of well-oiled chefs and in you know in, on a millionaire's island. It, it was incredible where, you know, um, extreme luxury and stuff um, was the norm. But, you know, I've got to say, for, for, for a millionaire's island like Mystique, um, when I first got there, they said, what do you want to put in your containers? I said, what do you mean containers? They said, yeah, we ship everything over from Milan or Rungis uh, twice a year. And I was like, that's not my cup of tea. If you don't mind, I'm going to go to the local markets, make some connections and start using local produce. So we created this very humble very um, produce-led restaurant on the beachside. And it was a smash hit. So you've got all these people that are very used to dining in all these big three-star Michelin restaurants, have the finest thing. And then we literally just took fish from the boat, grilled it, or made a ceviche, Wonderful. or a carpaccio, you know, um, 
the tomatoes from from Bobby Boy's uh, um, mum's garden, and you know, and all all, all the all these sort of local bits and bobs, and just cook something that was honest and delicious. It was a smash hit. Forget caviar, forget champagne, and all that, that sort of stuff. We're literally taking the top off coconuts, putting a drop of rum in, serving it with a, a, um, a carpaccio with some dragon grass, they call it over there, dragon grass and coconut, but uh, dragon grass is just lemongrass, essentially. Okay? And, and, um, and making these most amazing uh, yeah. uh, dishes just out of simple, simple ingredients. And uh, so you think it's all glamorous and all that sort of stuff. What they really love is just this honesty mm. of, of what we created there, which was fat really i think that's what everybody loves i I just think food stripped back food like that is the best type of food isn't it as you say everything's so fresh grab yourself a fish out the sea sling it on the barbie i mean what else do you need it's delicious absolutely and that's and that's and that's probably how i came to live and work on mystique to be fair um i was spinning so many plates in london um i actually started focusing on spinning the plates rather than what i loved about my what I did in the first place, which was just, and, and, and what got me into cooking in the first place, which was just great produce, simply cooked, and things that made people happy. So, um, um, and, and you know, London's a big, can be a big rat race, you know, especially if you've got opportunities, and I am king of taking too much on. I'm Mr. Yes Man, I absolutely yeah. am. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a complete yes man when it comes to these sort of things. Anyway, I, I felt like I was losing my connection with um, uh, with, with food and all that sort of stuff. So I took a year out, mm. took a year out with my twin boys, my wife, and actually had another baby. But that's probably why I took a year out. <laughs> uh, um, you had time to make one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I reconnected with food. Yeah. I reconnected. With, I reconnected with what I loved in the first place. And I promised myself I'm never going to do that again. Mm. I'm never going to do that again. So don't lose sight of what you fell in love with in the first place, because um, it it helps you stay focused on on what you love to do and 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 your core message. Mm. So simple food, cooked beautifully, is now my is now my mission. Yeah. A bit of zero waste as well. Yeah, well, yeah. We, we're going to get on to that because I want to talk to you about your rubbish cooks. But I just totally agree with you. I, when I had my cafe, which I was speaking to you about earlier, um, I lost lost my way at the end of it. I didn't, and I spent, after I finished it, I spent six months. I didn't bake a cake in my life, didn't make another cake, didn't do any cooking. Then I went to see my friend in LA where I used to live in the 80s. And, um, and I spent just 10 days in, in LA and I discovered all these new foods and new types of cooking and new, and I came back and I was completely refreshed. I found my mojo again. So I totally agree with you. Sometimes you need to walk away from one thing to kind of redefine yourself and find it, it, what it is that you actually originally got you into, you know, your area that you spent your life doing. And I think you did the right thing. Tristan, I've been watching you on Instagram. <laughs> Sit up straight. I've been watching you on Instagram, <laughs> slouching all over the place. You are funny. Um, and I have been following your rubbish cooks, which I think is completely brilliant. You yep. come up with fantastic ideas. One, some are a bit balmy. The other day I saw you cook a stew in a box. I mean, you know, I was thinking, well, it's only if you get a box which has got the wool 
insulation. Bonkers, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. Yeah, and, and it blows my mind. This I love. So I'm massive on saving energy, saving money, making your lives a little bit more delicious. So yeah, yeah the box one, I love. I love to... I remember visiting a museum when I was a child um, at primary school and seeing in, um, a hay box that in the Second World War, people would put a hot pan that's got whatever food they're trying to cook or stew they're trying to cook and pop it in a hay box. So we've done a modern day hay box and it's amazing yeah. and it really, really works. So we, we, we get our pet food delivered here and it's got sort of like sheep wool uh, um, um, internet. It's, it's normally in the plastic. So take the pla I take the plastic off. I put it in a, a box that's got polystyrene walls that something else came in, in there. You know, food deliveries happen, right? And, and and they've all got this sort of insulated box. So you can make a, an insulated box like that. All you've got to do is bring your stew to the boil and pop it in forget about it. It's less energy. It's less energy than a slow cooker. And it works just as well. And it was it's incredible. Brilliant. Yeah, because you made a stew, popped it in there, left it overnight, took it out, still steaming hot the next day, and all the meat was beautifully cooked and falling apart. It was just as you wanted it to be. Genius. It blew my mind. Yeah. It blew my mind. I honestly didn't think it worked that well, but it really, really does. And um, and it saves. You know, there's another one as well um, about turning your oven off halfway through baking your cake. Yes, now you did that one, didn't you? Scary. Yeah. Wow. But it does, because there's still residual heat, isn't there? And you don't need that much heat. As long as the cake's risen and set in position, as long as the air has expanded and set your, your batter, then it's absolutely yeah. fine. Makes sense. Yeah. And the other one cool. you did was a whole bleeding chicken in 45 minutes in stock. So you cook it in stock, and then you popped it in a pan and popped it in the oven. Whole chicken. That's including, rest, that's, that's including resting time as well, yeah. 45 minutes. Was it including resting? Yeah. Genius. Yeah. yeah. You, Genius. You, you boil it for 10, then roast it for 15. It, it's, uh, um, but you can re you rest it in between. You rest it in between. Honestly, so that's energy saving, but that chicken mm. is perfectly, perfectly, perfectly cooked. Um, it's an amazing recipe. And I do other things like, you know, used coffee grounds. We've got recipes for used coffee grounds. Makes amazing liqueur, coffee liqueur. Um, but then, don't you find, I think, I think coffee grounds are a bit like ashtrays, you know? I mean, when I had, when I had the coffee grounds at the cafe, the next day it smelled a little bit fuggy. So do they, you don't taste those. You don't have... Your nasty coffee is nasty. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was a cheap shit I bought, wasn't it? That's what it was. <laughs> oh, that'll learn me. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, so what's the little, you're looking, what are the, what are the little... Um... Joking, joking aside, what yeah. you do is once you've made your coffee, yeah. you keep the coffee grounds in the fridge or the freezer. Yeah. Uh, um, um, if you need, if you want to save it up, or you make it straight away. Yeah. So you, you take equal quantities of the um, coffee grounds and the uh, and sugar. You leave that overnight, and it kind of kind of melts and makes this funny solution. You add a drop of hot water to make sure everything's dissolved and all the and all the goodness is left the um, coffee grounds. Add a spot of vodka, or quite a lot of vodka, quite a lot of vodka, and then strain it, and you've got the most amazing coffee liqueur. Orange peels as well. Orange peels, got loads of orange peel recipes, but my new favourite one, I've got a technique that makes the perfect boiled egg 
and you don't boil it. Go on. Go on. No, I'm not going to tell you. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. <laughs> You have to watch it, Chef Tristan Welsh. Chef Tristan Welsh on Instagram, and then we'll work out we'll work that one out. Um, so you do all your rubbish cuts. We're going to do a live because I think you will have so much fun. We're going to do a live, aren't we? And when we're to chat about obviously you we'll coming on the podcast. Get kicked but... off again. Yes. Lottie. I swear, last time we got banned or That's something. Your fault. Didn't we? You took your pants off, darling. That's what the problem was last time. Honestly, you've got to learn. You can't do that in public. Sorry, we're talking in the American term. If my mother's listening. <laughs> Oh dear, I don't know, it's just, it's always such a joy to talk to you, you always make me laugh. I watched you, when was it, I watched you on um, Saturday Kitchen, um, and you were, yeah. it was brilliant, because Matt Tebbett was, you were giving him a run for his money. The old Tebster. Yeah, deservedly I so. Tele- I love live telly, mm. I love doing live telly because I think it really encapsulates everything food is... Uh, and, and and cooking should be. It's of the moment. It's why it's why I don't like pristine food pictures. Yeah. Because I just think it needs. To, it, it's not real. It's not real, and it doesn't look delicious to me mm. if it looks too Disney-esque. Mm. You know what I mean? No. Being too creative. I uh, think. And, you know, cause I, we both work for production companies where you know we've seen butter melted in a pan four times because it just didn't melt correctly. Yeah. What a lot of crud. It's, 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 it's rubbish, isn't it? it? This is real. This is why, you know, food is real and it's a real pleasure for people and we can't just, just set people's expectations that, that their butter's going to melt in a pan this, this glorious manner every single time. Those magic moments happen. Of course they happen. But when they do happen, celebrate it, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, just, I just get, I just get a, a bit funny about it. <laughs> But it's true, and it, but it, you know, life. That's why I think you know, doing Insta lives, doing TikTok lives, and everything are so real because, you know, you can make a few mistakes. It's all part of it, and they they're kept in. I always say my outtakes are my best moments. Always, <laughs> the bits that never yeah, make exactly. it. Always, yeah, always. Precisely, because yeah. you know what? It's real life, and things go wrong. It goes wrong in the biggest productions that you do, and and. People don't see that. So if something does go wrong, I love to show people how to fix it. I mm. know, I love to say, okay, that's no problem. This is what we do. And that's where your expertise really comes in mm. to play. And, and, and that's what I love. I love the challenge. I love the live feel and, and bringing it all together. And yeah. I think if people see that it goes wrong and how you can fix it, it gives them confidence as well. Because it make, makes me, I always say to people, if it, it's not the end of the world if it goes wrong. You generally always find a way to get out of it unless you've utterly cremated it and then you make um, a liqueur out of it, obviously, if that's you. That's me, yeah. Then you, then you go to, then you go to <laughs> Chef Tristan Welch, rubbish cooks on social media, and he'll sort you out. Great guy if you have a meeting, by the way. Great guy. Fantastic bloke. Oh, so what, what's, what's up for you now, though? I mean, you know, you're doing all your, your rubbish cooks and you're doing a lot, of, you know, in your gorgeous kitchen that you're sitting in there i'm very jealous of it's a beautiful kitchen really beautiful oh thanks oh lovely thanks. It, was a lo- it was a it was a lockdown lockdown project mm. you know a lockdown project well uh, you you were doing that we were just drinking and doing stupid videos well i think i was drinking with some of the measurements that i've taken i think i was drinking too to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but i need but so, i needed social media in the lockdown yeah. i needed it um i didn't realize um, I needed that sense of community. I needed that sense of, of being. I needed that sense of, uh, uh, you know, being feeling so helpless, opening a restaurant, closing a restaurant, to feel that. But 
being able to do live cook-alongs. And I think we did some, didn't we? And, yeah. we, and we were joining each other's lives as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but doing live cook-alongs really gave me a sense of purpose and felt that I was just doing something. And, and, mm. and you know, Rubbish Cooks are right. It's been going for six years now. Uh, and we do the most amazing pop-ups with it. Uh, and um, But it, I love the sense of community. I love the sense of... Um, uh, uh, um, giving people something, making life, people, improving people's lives, um, just helping out, being useful, not being a drain on society, you know, just sitting there watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to, I just got to do, uh, um, do something, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and my, and my next restaurant that's in, in, in the plans right now, it's got a real sense of community to it, um, uh, and, and some great fun things that I, that I love. I will tell, I will tell you. I promise, I will tell you. But I keep it stum for I, now. I don't, to, I don't want to say here on your lovely podcast because I'll get committed to it, and then I, and then my finance guys will just say, "Well, why are you doing that for free?" <laughs> oh no, totally agree. You know, keep it stum. But I, I do hope to get an invitation for your opening night. I just say, just saying. Hashtag just of saying. Course. I need someone yeah. to do dishes. <laughs> I need someone to do, scrub down the kitchen. It, it's gonna be. It's gonna. It's gonna be like that, Lottie. Mm. It's gonna be like that. This. This. this, this this restaurant is is um, is going to be a new business, a community um, friendly business, supports the community. The, um, uh, I've got no money left, so um, it's, got, it's got it's it's got it's got it's got to be like that, you yeah, know. And, yeah. Um, and I think I look back, looking back on my life, where, where was I happiest? Is when my back was up against the wall, mm. and I and um, I had to rely on my creativity to. Um, to do things, and, mm. and that's exactly what we're doing right now. Oh, that's just brilliant. If you weren't um, a chef, because people have asked me that question in, in my life, and it's a question I kind of want to add to this podcast as well. I have one that I'm going to ask you in a, a second, which is the final question, but um, I, if I wasn't a chef, I'd like to have been a conductor um, of an orchestra. Bus conductor. <laughs> Not bus conductor. Well, I'd be good at that as well. Oi, sit down, show me your tickets. That, with your little cap and your... <laughs> And, 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 my ticket machine. With the ticket machine. Yeah. <laughs> no, silly Billy. No, orchestral. Standing in front. I'd love to have done that. I love music. I'm not very good at playing instruments, but I can read music. I used to play the flute, and the piano, and the cello. <laughs> cello was not glamorous. Um, but I'd love to have been a, um, a you know, conductor. I just love the idea of it. Listen to music and get people to sing and bring I've people seen in. See that in you, Lottie. Yeah. With, with what you do with your food festivals. It is, I suppose, it's you, the, the same you, thing. The you orchestrate them, conduct them, and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bring exactly. people in, sit, you know, bring... Yeah. Come on, violins now. Come on, a little bit of singing. So what would you have done if you, if you hadn't have gone down the chef route? If you want the silly answer or the truth. I'd like the, the, silly answer I'd like the pantomime answer see. and the truth. The pantomime answer is James Bond, darling. <laughs> of course. Um, and the real answer is I fell in love with what I um, do now from a young age. So I've always wanted to do it. So it's always very difficult. Um, however, there was a time when um, I was keen to uh, um, join the Navy, join the military. A, um, to see how far I could go up there, on what I could do, what I could yeah. do there, because I had that sort of um, coming out of school. I had that mindset. Um, I had a big change in my life from, from being from being the, the the very low down in the pecking order at school, you know, and 
and and having to having to um i don't know how to say that but um, anyway, coming from coming down from very low in the pecking order, and then all of a sudden I found my passion and cooking, and it gave me a confidence, and it gave me a reason, and all that sort of stuff. And and um, and there was a point when I had all this energy and confidence that I thought, right, what do I do? Do I go do I go down the sort of uh, military route, or do I go down the uh, um, sh- the chefing route? And I think much to my mother's relief. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. A chef. yeah. And in a way, you have your brigade, don't you? You have your brigade of chefs. You're in charge of them, so you are still at the helm of your ship. How does that? Did you see the way I just slipped that in? That was quite good, wasn't it? Just a little segue straight into helm of your ship. There you are, well man of all you, you survey. <laughs> man right. of all you survey. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, the thing is, I really liked being dropped in extreme situations and having to work my way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and that's perfect then. As, as, as you well know, we've been on a few nights out. <laughs> exactly, we know. All right, so final question, my lovely. Um, and this is something I ask everyone, and I'm going to do it in my best seductive voice, which I know you love. Right, Tristan. Imagine you've lit the fire, you've drawn the curtains, you've whacked a bit Barry White on Spotify. Okay? You know me. Yeah, I know you, darling. So you've got the god of love on there singing to you you've got your fire lit your curtains drawn you've locked the door okay you've yeah. got into your comfies you got into your yeah. leisure wear okay and your leisure <laughs> and your leisure wear and you're sitting down on your sofa and you're eating okay on your own this is something i want you to tell me your 50 shades of food okay it's a little sticky might be a little messy Definitely very naughty. What is it, Tristan? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That is the best intro to any question. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Ever. <laughs> ever. 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 It's just you um, and Barry. It's just you and Barry. That's all it is. Me and Barry. Yeah. Me and Barry. Well, you know, it, I might actually just slip a bit of shaggy in there. <laughs> wasn't me just to step up the tempo yeah um, it you know it's it's very it, it's complicated but very easy the story of my life i really have a guilty pleasure um i have a lot of guilty pleasures and i talk about them a lot I, you know i'm working on it but i'm talking about it a lot for instance um i'm trying to give up crisps now and i can't it's 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 an achilles heel of mine but salt and vinegar crisps that would be one of them, but there's many. I'm, I've, I'm, I've got so many culinary Just skeletons. Just list them. Fr- fries, fries, Turkish delight. Oh yes. But the ones from the eighties. Yes. Not these new ones. No, the big, bl- the big wedge bit. Yes, the yeah. big sort of square. Yeah. Just the floral notes, the texture as well. Floral Just notes. Absolutely <laughs> adore it. Yeah. And buttered toast. Hmm. Hot buttered toast. Oh, across the road. Oh, another one. Toast, but like salad. My, uh, my my sourdough recipe. Um, toasted, and then let go just until it's room temperature. Spread with coconut butter. No coconut oil. Yeah. So coconut oil set, and then marmite on top. Oh, Lottie. Really? Oh gosh. 
Really? Yeah, I tell you, you can rub, you can rub me up and down, and I'll have a bath of it. <laughs> Look at this skin. Look at this skin. That's from coconut oil and and, um, and marmite. Marmite. Nice. Yeah, well, the aroma's marmite, but the the texture, the feel of it. It's coconut, coconut oil, and also actually the toast to probably give you a little bit of a scrub too. Get rid of the dirty, uh, the old dead skin cells. If you're giving yourself a rub up and down with the toast. Me. Ah, that's why you're so soft. It's good, good for exfoliating. So there's lots, there's, and that's it. There's absolutely lots, but then, but then, then I really like as well. I really like shit chocolate. Oh, I've had that. You're the third shit chocolate person. Yeah, it's really. it's a thing. It's a thing. I've had tree chocolate, the worst type of Christmas tree chocolate. Um, and then someone else said, but I I kind of I like a galaxy. I do like a galaxy bar. You know, I love a galaxy. Mm. I love mm. anything with caramelised milk in it, mm. like a galaxy. Yeah. Love it. Um, cheese? Do you like um, cheese? Melted cheese? What about melted cheese and mashed yeah. potato? Um, oh. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. I, I love that. But what I, I really like as well, and this is because um, my wife's Swedish, so we spend um, a fair amount of time in Sweden, um, and they do this very thin, wafer-thin ham. Um, on crisp on on crisp bread, or actually, there's a specific bakery where I like the bread from. That with cheese and and the ham and the ham, which is crazy salty, it's ridiculously salty, very smoky on a cheese that's so punchy it just holds its own against it. That oh. that I love that yeah. I, because it reminds me of holiday. But that's not guilt. I mean, no, that's that's, that's, just... that's no that's no secret. That's just delicious. Yeah, that's, that's not just... naughty. Mm, Chip chocolate, coconut oil and marmite on toast, and salt and vinegar crisps. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> I have to say the coconut oil and marmite is is so out there, Tristan. That is a new one on me. I'm gonna have to give that I one a go. You, it's complicated and simple. It is. That's, yeah. That's me all in one. <laughs> that's just brilliant. Look, come on, what are you? What's yours? That's what I want to know. Mom... That's what everyone. Yes. Wants to know. Well. I have a few, and it does always involve melted cheese, but one of my things that I love is a tin of baked beans and a tin of sweet corn, and you mix them together in a pan. You add to that a really liberal dash of Worcestershire sauce, and then you chop up Edam cheese, and it's got to be Edam because it's got to be plastic and stringy. You whack that in yep. with a knob of butter, and you heat it really high, and the string, sorry, the string, the cheese gets stringy, and the butter makes it creamy, and you eat it out of the saucepan with a spoon. And as you're eating it, all that stringy cheese goes down your face, down your front, you don't care. It's just a moment, it's an orgy of beans, an orgy of beans and sweet corn and cheese. Just bloody lovely, I love it. And it's just- You naughty little tigger. I know, it's one of my favorites, I love it. <laughs> but I also love, I also love mashed potato or jacket potatoes with butter. You know, when you've got a hangover, there's nothing better than just a big jacket potato with a pack of butter almost in it, mashed up, and, and then you're dipping the skin in the leftover butter on the plate. My mouth is watering as I'm talking to you about it. Glorious, glorious. Mm. You know, there's, there's the, the, I mean, I love any mashed potato where there's more butter than potato. Yeah. Yeah, Aligo. Oh, my God, Aligo, and you have that with the cheese. Oh, good Lord. No, I did the other day. I, I took a whole head of garlic, popped it in the oven. Uh, I was roasting a chicken as well with some mashed potato, um, and I just took this this garlic after it was roasted and just and 
cut it in half and squeezed out all that cooked garlic into the mashed potato. You've got the most amazing garlicky mashed potato. Oh gosh, it's so oh, good. That's good. We had the leftovers last night for dinner actually. Lovely. Beautiful. And the other thing I would have would be, and this would be something I cannot eat enough of, would be the biggest, most delicious prawns in a vat of garlic butter. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just ripping them yeah. apart and shoving them in your gob. And again, there's in butter the shower, and right? have to be in. in the, it, I, was, I thought you were going to say in the shower. I thought you said in the shower. No, yeah, in the shower. No, <laughs> in the no, shower no, no. afterwards. We're still in the bath, aren't we? <laughs> we're still in the bath at this point. Yeah, we have to be. But no, yeah, in the shower. They can be in the shower or they can have been peeled and deveined and then just, just soaking up. And then again, my mouth is watering. I think it's one of my favourite things prawns and garlic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's something, something like, um, do you know what? I have lobster and chips, lobster loads chips. of garlic butter. Yeah. Because uh, and to be fair, I can have the lobster another time. It's the chips and the garlic butter oh, that I really, uh, yes. really like. Yes, chips and garlic butter. I mean, go. We could just go on. I mean, Barry would be spaghetti a... bolognese. Take your own spaghetti bolognese, whatever's left from the day before. Warm up the bolognese sauce. That pulled beef bolognese that I did on yes, the box. nice. Then you add Tabasco sauce, Worcestershire sauce to it, make it crazy spicy. Over chips with oh. cheese. Oh, dirty, dirty, dirty boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Oh yes, filth. <laughs> God, on that note, I think we'd better stop because I'm going to go and get some garlic, I suppose. We're going to cool down. I'm going to have a cold shower after that, actually. Justin. Yeah, we're going to need it after you've eaten it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. All right, my lovely. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's just a total delight. And you're, you, um, you're thinking, you were, we were talking earlier about food festivals and you were thinking that you should start up one sometime. So come and, always, I, come and always, see us. I've always had one. Yeah. an idea to do it that's yeah. so sweet of you thank you so yeah. much come and come and, and spend some time and we'll we can um take you through all the ups and downs and the you know pitfalls and all that sort of stuff happy to perfect yeah lovely you're we'll too sweet Lottie. i know i know i know i am i just am on so i just am yeah. i know i know <laughs> No, <laughs> no, it has. It's been really lovely to talk to you, sweetheart. And um, yeah, we will catch up very, very soon. What a joy to be on! Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Tristan. It was great to talk to you. And we must do a tickety tockety live soon. Well, that's it for this week. Another plummet into the tangy, hoppy, vibrant world of cheek tweaking food. Next week, we're popping back to Cornishland and talking rum with the lovely Love Day girls and collecting our pasta supper again from our matey Ugo, the Cornish Italian. We'll also be chatting to the truly wonderful Deb Porter, our official festival photographer, and introducing one of our favourite stallholders, Becky Whittle, and her glorious award-winning fudge. See you then. <laughs> you like listening to our podcast we just love producing it if you think you know someone that would enjoy listening to it too please share and pass on please like and follow us on the platform you listen with we are on instagram truly scrumptious podcast and of course there are our festivals where this podcast stems from 
Bradford on Avon Food and Drink Festival and Tame Food Festival. Website links are on our profile, but just Google them and you'll find us. And buy tickets to visit. Thanks again for listening.